Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Everybody and welcome to today's episode of Conflicts, the podcast. It is me, your moderator, Laura slash Lulu, and today we are joined by. <laughs> nope, I know your name. Conductor is the word I was trying to think of. Oh my I god! I was like, conductor. Laura, can you not remember my name? I was, no, I was about to take I was you outside. To say conductor, <laughs> conductor extraordinaire. And I couldn't think of the word conductor. <laughs> I hope you leave that in, Rich. Oh, yeah. What oh, I'm yeah. trying to say is conductor extraordinaire to the Sedalia Symphony Orchestra, Luke. Welcome, Luke. Well, you make that sound much more exciting than it actually it's is. It's so exciting. <laughs> they did their holiday concert and he was a Jedi. Ooh, I was... see. I'm, I'm in already. Yeah. And as always, we are joined by Dad Joke Rich. Say hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. <laughs> and today we are covering this year's Knives Out that came out uh, November 27th of this year. It stars Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, and a whole lot more because it had a great cast on this one and is directed by Ryan Johnson, who I have a love-hate relationship with. But that's another story for another day. Really? Because I was hoping we were going to cover that. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm armed. We blame him for what happened in Star Wars 8. Well, I personally blame him, and I'm pretty sure Rich does too. (laughs) Luke, I don't know how you feel about it. I think there's potential. (laughs) <laughs> Down the road for that film to be looked upon more kindly. Uh, not by Rich, ever. No, well, no, that's not that's not fair because like Ryan and I have been to couples therapy now. Oh, so we, okay. We, we You've work, seen a counselor. We worked this out a little bit because somebody pointed out to me that uh, it's kind of an anomaly. You know, here I was judging the whole relationship on one event. No, he's got some other solid pieces. And I, I they pointed out to me how many other fine qualities of Ryan Johnson there are and that I should focus on those and not the one bad one and maybe just forgive him at some point. I don't know if I'm quite to forgiveness yet, but I'm, I'm getting close. You're you're moving towards healing and so, understanding. Yeah, there, there's, there's some healing going on there, okay. um, you know, because maybe, maybe it wasn't all his fault. Uh, although, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, he's got to accept some of that blame for Your me. counselor will tell you about personal responsibility. And then I think we can move yeah. on. He's got to take some personal responsibility. That being said, let's move on to this movie. A synopsis. When a renowned crime novelist dies under what seems to be the cut and dry circumstances of suicide, his dysfunctional family is less than thrilled when a police detective, excuse me, a private detective shows up and starts asking questions. Dun, dun, dun. I was just going to do like the one piano Oh, the one. Ding. Ding. (laughs) Uh, Here's your obligatory spoiler warning. You've been warned. Oh, I did find some fun facts because I love the fun facts. Frank Oz, who is the Mm -hmm. prolific voice actor, plays the lawyer in this movie. This is his first on-screen role since 1998. Which was what movie? I don't remember. The Blues Brothers. No, that wasn't the movie that was listed. Mm -hmm. I would have remembered. That was my dad's favorite movie. Blues Brothers 2000. That's in 2000. This is his, oh. the information that I received from less than credible sources of the trivia section on IMDb since 1998. So we're just gonna sell. Oh, okay. Well, Rich is googling right now. I'm gonna keep going. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a voice cameo in this as the police detective on the TV show that the sister's watching, 
And apparently Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ryan Johnson work together a lot. And he's been in everything that Ryan Johnson has done in like cameo capacity, which I thought was pretty interesting. Also, Kay Callen, who plays Great Nana, who also played the mom on uh, Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman with Dean Cain in like the 90s. She was his mom. Uh, She's actually six years younger than Christopher Plummer, and she was playing his mom. That is true. And by the way, Blues Brothers 2000 did come out in 1998, and that was indeed his last on-screen performance. Well, IMDb has told lies, and I will complain later, because they don't care. Let's dive into some reviews. I'd like to start with you, Rich. What grade did you give this film? I'm going to give this a straight-out, flat, solid B. Okay, okay. Really, I thought it was really well done. Some of the acting was pretty epic. I loved that old-school whodunit vibe. I yeah, really yeah, yeah. did. Uh-huh. I, 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 I dig it. Uh, but it did drag at times, and sometimes the ensemble cast got a bit crowded. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took a little bit away from it. So I'm just going to give it a, a, a B. I liked it. Uh, we kind of talked about the whole Ryan Johnson thing. I, right. I, I, I tried to make sure really hard that I went into the movie giving this uh, a fair shake. Because, you know, I love some of his other work. Looper, I think, is an amazing film. Uh-huh. And uh, honestly, I think that this is the kind of work that he should be doing. I got a few problems with it, but for the most part, this this is this is solid. Keep keep doing this kind of stuff, and please stay the and hell leave away from Star my, Wars alone, or any, or any <laughs> beloved franchise. Let's just let's just play safe on that one. And any just, of the franchises that Rich loves, Ryan Johnson, please stay away. Go do your own thing, and I will I will watch them, and I will I will give you my money at the movie theater. All right, okay, Luke. How about you? How do you feel about Knives Out? I wanted to love this movie. I, yeah. Because I think the last whodunit that I watched that I really liked was the Murder on uh, Murder on the Orient Express. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The recent and, remake? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And that I, you know, I know that critics were kind of divided on uh-huh. that one as well, but I really liked it. And I loved how emotional the story was, especially mm-hmm. at the end, how it all like came together. I guess my biggest issue with this movie was just how the story was told. I think uh-huh. there's a really creative uh, creative story and mystery there. It's just how Johnson chose to structure the film. The Rashomon style. I don't know. It just took away almost all of the um, the mystery involved, I yeah. guess. And while, while I was still curious, it's a good film. Like, the story subverts our expectations uh-huh. and toys with those a bit and... The acting's great. The score is phenomenal, especially the opening. You would know. <laughs> the open, well, because like, when it opened uh, with that string quartet, uh-huh. and I was like, this sounds like Shostakovich, but it's not. It's clearly something. I, so I was like, I wonder if they wrote this or if this is that, you know just a piece that I'm right. not familiar with. And uh, he actually did write it. Like He called it the Knives Out String Quartet in G minor, which I think is so cool. Oh, that's fun. And then that whole uh, string quartet gets reworked in through the whole film uh-huh. as the story progresses. It comes back in different ways. and it's So that's just kind of genius. Um, so but, there's a lot of elements you like, but ultimately like it, it didn't deliver what you wanted it to? Yeah, so like I would give it a solid B, B minus. It was fine. But it you just, were expecting like A plus material. Yeah, especially after reading all those reviews. Then, of course, with the cast, you know, but as you know, the cast being overcrowded, like I felt like there were so many of them that just didn't really serve a purpose outside of just being in the cast. Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis was one of those that, what did she even do okay. outside of occasionally like you smoke guys, a cigarette? I have to tell you now, I am 
madly in love with Jamie Lee Curtis and I have been since like as long as I can remember since the first time I saw Halloween. I love her so much and I just need you guys to know that has nothing to do with anything. No. I just want you to know how much I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's I great love her and I her silver too. hair is amazing and she's so talented. I totally get what you're saying. Though. I just wanted so much more. I wanted I did too. I was like show me Jamie all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz like that I Scream Queens like Jamie Lee Curtis made that show. Like, yes, and she's so talented. Sh- I know, and so I was really hoping for more of that, like dark, dubious, mysterious character that mm-hmm. we had in that show that we could, you know, kind of explore a bit more. But it was just, she was just kind of there. Yeah. They, which, and which, again, you know, they all the whole. I guess that's my biggest problem is that like they they put this whole cast together, marketed it as being this entire amazing cast, and then when you got to the film, you realized you spent ninety percent of the film with someone who wasn't even in the marketing at all. Yeah, Marta Anna something. I don't remember her name. Oh, the the main actress. Yes, yeah, I actually thought she did a really good job. I do. I do too. She um, did fine, but it was just one of those that I kind of felt like I was sold a film that I didn't actually get. Oh, you were sold a bill of goods, and they did not deliver. Interesting. You know, they really did change tone quite a bit. You know, I thought that the way they handled it in the beginning of the movie, the ensemble cast, where they're doing each individual interview, I thought it was great. And there was some amazing acting there. They gave everybody their time to shine and they handled it really well. And then they very quickly moved away from that into now it's the, the story of, I why can't I think of the, the Daniel Craig's character? No, Marta. Uh, no, I was talking about it actually become uh, Benoit Blanc. He, oh, he yeah. becomes the main character for a little bit, and they slowly work Marta into it. But that middle segment, it's like the, the ensemble cast doesn't matter anymore. Well, and they, then Chris Evans is there, and, sort of as a yeah. main for a minute, and then he's not. Yeah, well, from pretty much from the moment that he comes in, like he's suddenly the only one that matters for quite a while. Now, she's in it, uh, but at the same time, he kind of overshadows her in, in quite a bit of the movie. I also don't like how they kind of made it a mystery and then they gave you her story. So then they took the mystery out, which I know they're doing to set up a twist ending. But I really thought they were going to show us some different perspectives at that point, And then mm-hmm. it didn't get that. So it, it kind of felt like they, they mixed up their themes a little bit at times. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of conflict in this film. I did... I think I did enjoy it and vibe with it a little more than you guys did. I gave it a B plus because I found it interesting and engaging. And I felt that it had a good mix of lightheartedness and intensity. And the way it transitioned between those was believable. And it's Rashomon meets Agatha Christie meets like CSI Miami in a way that I really vibed with. And it had an exceptional cast. It was not a formulaic whodunit story. And it subverts expectations as much as possible, but possibly too much in that it didn't let you follow the story the way that you wanted to. Like you were saying, Luke, it was like they gave you these pieces that you didn't want yet because they were trying to subvert those expectations. And it ultimately, I think where it felt short was that really it's not a whodunit and it's a satire on class warfare. And each one of the family members, you know, represents the rich white elite. I mean, the Don Johnson character is <laughs> the walking representation of OK Boomer. And he does great at it, by the he way. Do, he does great. From and an I, acting standpoint, I thought he nailed that. I absolutely am thrilled that there's all of the sudden like this resurgence of Don Johnson. He's in Watchmen on mm-hmm. HBO. He's in this. And I think he's incredibly talented. And I am like, I applaud it. And I'm glad to be seeing Don Johnson again. But I think it focused so much on the satirical elements that it became a little too on the nose. And I, I've i never seen a whodunit movie that I don't figure out before the end. And I 
still was able to figure this out before the end. So somebody wasn't doing something right. And it was just off enough to keep it out of an A. One of the people seeing it with me in the theater figured it out very early on. Actually, I say early on. It was the moment in which the first time she's telling her story and you see it through her eyes, they figured it out then. uh, I did too. uh, I I mean, I was kind of not, I was trying to not on purpose. I, I was trying to not let myself think and figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Because I'm the guy that does that. You know, when a magician's doing his act, I'm trying to figure out. And I, I'm like, I'm forcing myself to not. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if I would have or not. I, I mean, I could, you know, I could stroke my ego and say, I, I think I would have. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But I was purposely trying not to and just let it happen. Um, so I did not um, and, and until the end. Although there's a certain point where... I'm not certain how interested I was in it because mm-hmm. uh, they kind of didn't deliver really well. But uh, somebody with us, because uh, I hang out with a lot of people in the medical professions. Yeah. And uh, what I found interesting is they figured out for the exact reason they used as the twist ending. Oh, and that there's different. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what they, actually they, they, they said that they're like, well, I, well they said uh, different viscosities. Well, they, they didn't catch it themselves by seeing it, but they said the way that they did it, they wondered if she didn't do it right on accident because you know, you, you got it going on autopilot yeah, and you do things. Exactly. They, they do that so many times. And there was actually on the way out of the theater, there was a couple of the, the nurses there who were arguing uh, because they were like, well, you know, but we're always trying to check labels. And the, so they were kind of arguing that point back yeah. and forth. Uh, so I, I found that interesting. And I thought that that actually added something to it for me because listening to them argue, I realized that, you know, that that's actually, that could have been possible. Okay. So it, it kind of made it a little more real, I guess. So it yeah. helped out a little bit. I do think that, that, the other thing that this movie suffered from was wasting some really good characters. Um, Lakeith, uh, oh crap, I can't remember his last name. He's uh, Darius from Atlanta. Stanfield or Stanfield. Is exceptionally talented. Uh, He was basically just like there to fill space. He was a glorified extra in this movie. He had a handful of lines and the guy that he was working with. And it was just, there was so much going on and it was so much talent that you didn't get to see enough of the talent that you wanted to. And I wanted to see more of that. And that's, I think that's why I was kind of disappointed was that I was sold on the talent. Yeah. And then when you got there, the talent made up such a small portion of the actual film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted a Jamie Lee Curtis monologue, damn it. Yeah, we just never really... I, w- I will say that because uh, they're talking about making more, you know, giving this uh, Benoit Blanc uh, kind of a series. And I'd be willing to watch and see if they could they could improve on it next time. Interesting. I kind uh, of hated him as a character, though. Really? I I found his like his accent annoyed me so bad. Okay, just I'm gonna, right just going to spoil myself. Be ugly for this episode is Daniel Craig's atrocious <laughs> it's accent. So bad, inexcusably bad. You're absolutely right. So okay, that like foghorn leghorn thing is hard for anybody to pull off. To get a British dude who struggles sometimes to do a regular American accent, no. And maybe it's just because I know so well what he should sound like uh-huh. that when he did talk like that, it was just kind of unsettling. But yeah. it just. Also, no one actually talks like that except Foghorn Leghorn. And Benoit Blanc. I say, I say, all right. No. Uh, like, but again, I guess it was kind of that stereotypical, like, it. I feel like it. the accent was bad almost on purpose because it played up the stereotypical, like, southern uh, deputy type. So he was playing like a caricature of the southern gentleman. Well, they all were kind of playing characters yeah, of something. Yeah, they were. So here's here's where I buy this, and I I understand what you're saying, and I don't want to directly refute it. Um, I want to hear why, and I know we they never answer it, they never, but I want to hear why before I give a judgment, and because this is the thing that I thought of. The accent at times did bother me, but for some odd reason, 
George Bush is the reason why I'm giving this. A I pass. am intrigued to hear more. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm talking about uh, George H. Herbert, w. H. Okay. Um, because I'm, keep, I'm, I'm old enough. I remember when Am he I was right? vice president and, and president. And he is an interesting accent simply because, I mean, they're, they're, they're Massachusetts. That, that's where that family is from. But they lived in Texas long mm-hmm. enough that they, they kind of came up with this weird amalgamated yeah. Massachusetts, Texas accent that sounds impossible and doesn't exist anywhere basically other than in that family <laughs> because of their weird situation where they're trying to pretend to be Texans. So what you're ultimately saying is is HW is a caricature of a human being? Somewhat. <laughs> wasn't ex- May he rest in peace. Wasn't exactly what I was saying, but you know it's not inaccurate. Uh, so you know give me the give me a little bit of why his accent is that way and you give me the right explanation something along those lines and I think I could buy it. But they never touch on it, so that's why I'm going to go ahead and give you credit and say it felt off because they didn't give me a reason to that this cheesy, kind of almost really horrible accent uh, fit in. Yeah. But, you know, give, give me a little reason why that's there, and I think I'd be okay with it. Okay. Well, this seems a good time to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes there's not an ugly, and that's okay, but there's always a good and a bad. Luke, what's a good thing for you in this movie that you were just like, oh my gosh, I love that? The answer better be Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> well, we all know she's good. We all know that already. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give that. Um, I was just so so pleased as a classical musician to have yeah. that opening track be so good, and not just good from a musical standpoint, but then how it like. Uh, you know, there wasn't like a lot. Of, the there wasn't movie. a lot of music in the movie as a you whole. You know, you're like, right. I never even noticed that. But when there was music, it was for a purpose. Yeah. And, and so, like, I'm really interested to go uh, kind of dig into the score a little bit more, and then kind of see musically how he portrayed the story through. Uh, the notes on the page. I love that. And also makes me feel a little dumb. Yeah. They set the tone a little by omission at times, uh, but I agree with you. The soundtrack was, it was pretty good. So- solid when they, they used it to set the tone, which I think is a good way to segue into my favorite. Ooh, go for it. Um, so the scene in the movie where Walter played by Michael Shannon confronts Marta in her hallway outside, uh-huh, outside the apartment of the apartment. I thought that whole sequence was really well done uh-huh. it was spooky it was suspenseful the way that he would step forward with his cane and the sound of and it they had that boom to go along with it and he would just kind of ominously move in and uh you know i will definitely give the actress some good credit i think that she did really well in looking scared while holding her ground as much as she could uh, you know i really like that whole sequence there even though i the whole time i'm like just there's an out, you know what it is, and then she turns around and obviously just says it. Uh-huh. Wait, but those are my resources now, and I thought it was it was it was a great sequence. I love that whole scene, everything about it, and I, and I bring it up because it was fairly quiet. They let the sound effects do the work there, and I think it's a good example where they'd have ruined it by having much music behind it. So they they let it be what it was and brought the music in where they needed to. And let that scene be great. So that's my favorite. See, like it, was, it was very much a film that I think utilized the silence as a soundtrack. Yeah. And, you know, you just reminded me of something else that was really good. You know, the directing in the film was so good. Like, there were so many yeah. really interesting things. And one of my favorite scenes was uh, when uh, Marta and, uh, oh, what's his name? Christopher Daniel Craig, Plummer? Daniel Craig. Oh, uh, Benoit. Benoit yeah. Blanc. Yeah, yeah. Blanc, yeah. When Marta and Blanc are out, outside after the party mm-hmm. that night. And he... 
uh, is questioning her a little bit more. And that whole scene was very tense. And what I love so much about how he shot it was that whenever he was looking at Blanc, hiding in the corner, picking at her just a little bit more, getting closer uh-huh. to the truth, the camera like just oh so slowly was getting a little closer and closer to him. But then when it panned to Marta, it was a solid, fixed it wasn't moving. It wasn't moving. The frame it, was fixed. The yeah. frame was fixed on her. And so I don't, just how he conveyed that, like the tension of the he, fact that he's getting closer yeah. and, uh-huh. he's getting, and they didn't have to have music. They didn't have to have anything other than the fact that this camera is working this specific way to really give you that feeling. They made sure they used the music when it needed to, when it needed to add something and then left it out in the point where it could have just been distracting. And they, uh, that's, I love the scene. It was right in there where he explains how he just leisurely strolls to the truth and you know he wanders to its inevitable conclusion and i like that aspect of his character where he he kind of looks at it differently he's not the the typical sleuth he's not the the sherlock holmes although they do make a a funny sherlock holmes they do they do uh for myself i do have to say that you know i mean we've touched on it a million times already but the cast has to be the best part for me because this was it's like you were talking about with the direction and it was so simple in how just the difference between a slow pan and a fixed frame conveyed so much emotions. This film, in a lot of ways, was shot so simply that in lesser hands, if they had cast less talent in this movie, it would have fallen so flat because every person had to know exactly who they were and what they brought to the story and had to understand the big picture. And this movie... I mean, would have gone from a B plus to a D minus like that in lesser hands. And that is totally, totally the responsibility of the talented people that were cast in this movie. And I love that. All right, let's flip the coin because there's always a bad. And Rich, what's the bad for you? Unfortunately for me, it was the final reveal. I felt like it lacked a lot of punch. Yeah. And in a whodunit like this, that's the most crucial scene in the movie. And they kind of got pretty convoluted by that point. So by the time that, that we got the reveal, I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, you didn't have like a gasp. Like, there was no... <gasps> exactly. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, the fact that I see it with a bunch of medical professionals. I am not a medical professional, but I'm pretty much surrounded by them. Yeah. So I, I, get, a, I get a lot of that. My first question to them as we left the theater, and uh, like I said, I, this is a lay person's knowledge, is I said, no, wait a minute. That's a lot of morphine, right? What what's the with the ten minute thing? I'm like, what, doesn't that kind of I want to say slowly set in, but it's not like a point of demarcation where it's like I'm fine, 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 I'm out. Like that kind of morphing, you like going to get a little off like pretty quick, right? Not long enough for her to drive the car, and they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, there's they, you know, first of all, it's not. Set. I didn't really think about that. You know, plus, you know, a lot of questions are like, you know, people, morphine's a good one where people can build up a fair amount of tolerance. People are, you know, a lot of the morphine, they have to escalate it over time. Yeah. And they did establish that he had been taking some, but the dosage was way different. You know, so the fact that she came back that much later and he still seemed to be with it should have been a clue, but maybe she was panicked. Um, you know, but it didn't quite fit right. Was it wrong? I don't know that it was wrong, but it, it kind of took away some of the punch. Yeah. It, it didn't hit as hard. So I, I think that that moment is so crucial for this style of movie that to, to soften it even just a little bit, uh, that, that took away a lot. Okay. All right. What about for you, Luke? It, it kind of has to do with the big reveal of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Just in that, and I, I feel like it was intentional. Like in the marketing, they they played it up as if Chris Evans was going to be the bad guy. And then 
in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. when they introduce his character, it's like, oh yeah, this guy, he is the one. But we all know when you're watching a whodunit, whoever they're screaming at, you know, is this is the guy. Yeah. He's never the guy. And so I feel like he did it in such a way that oh, yeah, he is the guy. But then halfway through, we're like, oh, wait, actually, he's a pretty good guy. Okay, uh-huh. never mind. And then all of a sudden, it comes back around. I was like, oh, just kidding. Actually, yeah, you were right all along. It was him. <laughs> he is ha, the guy. Ha. And wah, it's, wah. it's almost like he was trying to subvert our expectations by giving us exactly what we expected because we're so trained. To not to, to not, expect the unexpected. Yeah, and so you know, I thought it was interesting. It just, it didn't work for the film in my opinion it just kind of made the whole thing it's like oh the, it's okay the, it's like the, i know that you know but you don't know that i know that you know that i don't know that you know yeah you know, it, yeah it, at a certain point we were like okay no wait a minute let me work that out uh it, it got a little too convoluted see i i was about halfway through i was like how great would this movie be if actually the guy just wanted to commit suicide he had just had it Wanted to commit wanted suicide. Wanted to die on his own terms. And and wanted to, but but wanted to leave on like a, you know, he's a mystery yeah. author. So he wanted to like make a statement to his children. I, I found myself thinking the same thing during the course of the movie. And and so then there would have been some kind of purpose behind the whole thing uh-huh. other than just greed. Yeah. That was all his setup. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think would have been really creative, especially if they would have found a really interesting way to, you know, to weave it all together so that Mm -hmm. it made sense, you know, so that, yes, Marta would still be um, innocent and she would still get the fortune and the family would have learned some kind of lesson or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I get you. I think for myself, there were there were a few points in the movie that were a little too ridiculous to swallow. And I have to say <laughs> to swallow one of them has to be the puking thing. Oh, I, yeah. That was just that was just a little too ridiculous. I mean, make it that she breaks out into hives. That's a thing that I know happens to real people. But to to vomit spontaneously mm-hmm. every time you lie. Maybe this is a rare medical condition that I've never heard of, but they didn't explain it to me enough for me to buy it. And it's like the crux of the big reveal at the end is her holding in the puke until she can't anymore. And that was really, that was just too ridiculous for me. And I did not enjoy. It seems so contrived. Yes. Especially since they could have come up with something that's more of akin to a tick and let the acting yeah, there were other ways that there could have been a physiological response to mm-hmm. an untruth that could have told the story and been less dumb and less gross to listen to because I do not enjoy listening oh. even to fake vomiting. No, this was what was funny. Uh, Luke, you were talking about, uh, you know, the, the twists and turns that it took at times, to, like almost for the purpose of subverting expectations. Here's what I thought they were going to do with that. I thought that she wasn't going to puke at the end and she was going to reveal that she'd been doing that on purpose all along and that. She didn't have oh. a physiological response. That's just something she did for all these years to make them think that she wasn't paying attention. Because, you know, they had established that she was the help. Uh-huh. They were lesser in her minds. So maybe she just kind of came up with ways to reinforce that. And, you know, maybe she was actually just sick the first time that it happened. And they started making fun of her. So she owned it. You know, I thought it was going to be something more along those lines. And something that makes it more believable. Yeah, and I agree. And then when she actually did kind of throw up at the end, although I found the scene a little bit humorous, I agree with you. You're like, oh, well, if that's kind of a real thing, then... Uh, yeah, it was just too much for me. And then I have an ugly. If you guys do feel free to chime in, it was Daniel Craig's accent. It was just... <laughs> it. And my problem is with the execution. If you want to go with you know the Colonel Sanders Foghorn Leghorn accent... That's okay. The execution of it was 
it took me out of the character. I don't know that character as well because every time he was speaking, I was so busy analyzing his accent. It was just too much for me. I, I have a bit of a one and it might be controversial, but uh, you know, you talked about how they showed the class warfare and I don't mind that they have the class warfare in there. I just thought at times they were making it way too obvious and throwing it in their face. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love the little subtle, nobody ever said where she was from. Uh, and they, they got it wrong every yeah, time. Well, we don't know. She never actually says where she's from, and she never actually corrects any of them. Yeah. So one of them could have had it right, and we don't know. She's Brazilian. But she's Honduran. Yeah. Everybody says something different because obviously they haven't been paying attention. See, that to me is much she's more She's brown subtle. is basically what they're saying. Exactly. But there were some of the scenes where they just like throw it in your face, you know, especially with like the 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 young boy and the, the young girl where they're getting into it. Uh, you know, she calls him, uh, what, like a left-wing troll. and Yeah, um, you know, left-wing Nazi troll, yeah, I think is what she called yeah, him. And, and you know, they're using these like very current, very specific terms. And it just seemed too obvious when they're doing that. You know, it didn't seem like the way people naturally argue, even a family like that. Yeah. So I, it, it's like, don't throw it in your face. Let it be there when it's there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for me, the moment where I, they showed the class warfare the best was the very final scene of the movie. When she's standing on the balcony and she's got the mug. The mug that says my house. Uh, my yeah. rules, oh, my I coffee. I love that. And they're looking down and they look completely distraught. And they're like, what do we do? We're destitute. Yeah, it's like, like they don't have a way yeah. to even compute that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they act like they've just lost everything. But, you know, none of those people are broke. Yeah. Their lifestyle may change, but those people are going to be fine. You know, they're not going to worry about where they're getting their breakfast in the morning. You know, maybe they have to downsize their house or their apartment. Or they have maybe, to sell off their property in Florida. Yeah, you know, maybe they have to do a few of those things. So, yeah, maybe their lifestyle is going to change. But these people aren't suddenly poor. But to them, it was. Uh-huh. And I thought that was a, a much better way of showing that perspective than throwing it in your face as they did sometimes in the movie. Yeah. What about you, Luke? Do you have an ugly... I mean, outside of Daniel Craig's accent. <laughs> <laughs> We're agreed then. Poor, poor Daniel I mean, Craig. I, it, there wasn't a lot of ugly about the film. There wasn't really technically a lot of bad about the film. Yeah. It just was... We're I, all kind of tearing it to shreds, but I mean, we all really enjoyed it. We gave it a good grade. It's a good movie. It's no, not we'll a movie, movie I'll ever watch again. Yeah, now you know. I mean, do you ever really watch a whodunit that many times? Because you know. Clue. I've seen Clue countless times. You've never seen that movie? What? Never seen that movie. I've never seen that get, movie Get either. out. So door, <laughs> We're both fired, Luke. Let's the, go. The door is there, and I'm never letting you drink my booze again. Uh-oh. Um, All right. Well, this seems as good a time of any to jump into the female factor. I'll keep it brief. Um, Marta's an awesome character, and it's refreshing to see a movie where a good person wins by being a good person. It seems that this good person just so happens to be a woman of color, and that's fantastic. And I look forward to seeing more stories led by women of color and hope that there are many, many more on the horizon. Oh, and I also want to add that it's very refreshing to see legitimate roles for women of a certain age. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is past Hollywood's expiration date. Tony Collette is fast heading towards Hollywood's expiration date. And they are both still gorgeous and talented. And I love that this movie made a place for them and that it allowed them to show their acting chops and to not be sad and matronly. Uh, you know, I love the way that uh, Tony Collette attacked that role. And yeah. she, she's older than I am, not by a lot. I'm pretty old. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so is she. But they still made her. She was still beautiful. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that wasn't the point of her character. You know, it wasn't just she wasn't there just to necessarily be the eye candy. I really like how she 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 took on that role. And I like the way that they, they portrayed that. That's fantastic. Agreed. All what right. did you think of Chris Evans' sweater? <laughs> I have to know. Okay. I actually really liked the sweater. 
I was thinking it the whole time. I was like, this is classic and I get what they're doing. And it brought something to the character because it was a douchey sweater. Is, oh, it's such a douchey sweater. Is this a thing I'm missing? Yes. I feel like I'm I'm missing something here. Oh, the internet has fallen in love with Chris Evans' white sweater. Yeah, really? it's a whole it's a whole thing. But I I like it because it informs the douchebagness of the character. Like if I saw somebody wearing that in real life, I'd be like, Oh no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, and it's little things like his car. The yeah. fact that his car isn't just like some average jock car that you would expect to see. No, he's driving an old BMW, like a classic car. He obviously not only has money, but... Like pick, specifically picked this yeah, car. Like, like, this yeah. is the car that I want. I, not I, any sports car will I'm do. I'm the wealthy hipster douchebag. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. I thought he did a really good job with the smug look. Oh, it, yeah. It, you know, he, he pulled that off so well. The scene where he's like, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. You know, like he, he did. He pulled it off really well. But at the same time, it's so easy to reduce that character to just a t- total moron. And that's not who he was. Yeah. He was a smart douchebag. Well, they can be. It does happen. What's interesting is that if you think about it, his dad, all his dad wanted him to do was to go out there and make something for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He did exactly yeah. what his dad wanted him mm-hmm. to, just con- the wrong way. Just totally the wrong way. Uh, and that was actually one, almost my pick for the favorite scene is where, uh, what's the line? Uh, in for a penny, in for a yeah. pound. And then he grabs the prop dagger, which he didn't know, and goes after her. And I'm like, I'm, I, that was a fun scene. Yeah, I liked it. All right. Well, I'm trying to come out with a clever outro, and I'm over here stalling, and I got nothing. Put, Anybody got a clever put, outro? Put our knives away? Um that's, sure. Yeah, no, why that's, not? Oh, hey, this ending might as well lack a little punch since the movie <laughs> did too. All right. Thanks, everybody. We we'll see just, you next time. We should just cut it right there. Cut. Get it? Knives? No? Okay. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> All right. That was really awful. I had to think so hard about that one. <laughs> oh, my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> I love that you had to explain it to my dumbass. <laughs> oh, look. He joins the ranks of dad jokes, Rich. <laughs> Yeah, uh, easy, easy, easy to cowboy. <laughs> Stepping on his territory. <laughs> I have the shirt and everything. <laughs> All right, thanks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>